Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Sensi Brewcast, that show that you just clicked on that had the title right in front of you. You, you know what it is because you hopefully subscribe to it already, which is how it automatically downloads on your your phone or your computer or your tablet or however you listen to your, your podcast. Hopefully you know what is happening right now and this didn't just start playing randomly in your car. However, if it did, um, well, I guess we're okay with that too. <laughs> um, this is a good one. I've been waiting to, uh, to get out here to do a show for what feels like a very long time. Um, although it, it hasn't been that long because you guys haven't been open that long. We are at uh, MPH Montgomery Public House. I don't even know what the name is anymore. <laughs> Montgomery Public House. <laughs> Everybody calls it MPH though. Yeah. Which is a really, uh, um, it's it's a great name. The uh, the logo with the speed on. Uh, there's there's all kinds of fun stuff happening there with the um, um, the name and the branding. Uh, you guys introduce yourselves. Tell everybody who you are, what you do, and um, and we'll go from there. Okay, um, Bill Bolcher. I'm one of the owners, and I've been brewing for a long time. Um, and finally, with the help of a bunch of friends, we were able to open MPH, and I still have an active interest and uh, like to come in and sample the products and help help the team um, keep it moving in the right direction. I'm going to interject on that. Uh, Bill's a little little modest. Bill's also our main recipe writer. He uh, is responsible for the majority of the recipes that we do here, uh, which I think are fantastic. I'm Jim Chrisman, general manager. I also have a, a minority ownership stake in the place. I help keep it running, keep it moving, and making sure everything's going the way it's supposed to be going. Let's start. I mean, we should actually, let's start with a beer first, um, and then we'll kind of get into the story here, because if you start a a beer podcast it's because you like to drink beer we have have a whole segment on the show about drinking beer and we'll kind of we'll work through some as the uh, as the episode goes on but i want to talk about this bach first um so you guys are still very young you are a not a huge brewery you don't have tons of uh tons of capacity but to roll out a a lager a bach which is kind of a um it's a weird beer style you know, here in Cincinnati, we love them. We drink them for a month, and then we kind of forget about them. <laughs> um, the decision to to brew a Bach was it an easy one? Was it a difficult one? How did you guys kind of settle on on doing that? Um, variety is one of our 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 key goals, and coming up with you know a broad range of European styles as well as American ales, and I feel like the Doppelbach is a great representation. Uh, of an ale, or I'm sorry, of a lager that a lot of people haven't tried, but it's a really good, smooth, malty beer, and it's give give people an opportunity to try that. This is a great one too because it's not it's not super high ABV, which some Doppelbach sometimes can be. Like it still kind of falls down towards that lower end where it's still easy drinking. You could drink a couple of them and not be on your ass. You could drink a couple more and then be on your ass. Sure, <laughs> like it just sure. sits in that nice sweet spot for me. It's uh, on a day like today where there's like 19 feet of snow on the ground. It's cold outside. This beer just hits the spot perfect, especially for the first beer of the day for me. It's um, it's awesome. Really well done. Thank um, you. Let's go ahead and let's dive into the story. How did this all come about? You guys um, had well. How did the idea start? Is it was it always to start a small kind of brew pub idea, 
Was it just, uh, did it start with the idea of doing some kind of neighborhood bar kind of thing? How did this, how did this happen? Um, it started by uh, basically going to a lot of other microbreweries. We knew we liked the concept. Um, some of my friends were, they lived nearby. Um, and we wanted to open a place where we, we offered more options. There's a lot of, a lot of IPA level beers out there that are very good but we wanted to offer a bigger range of beers and we, we got together and it took about two to three years to get things off the ground, but we had a common goal of, of a comfortable place where people could go and have a good time and have good beer. In this area, was was it always going to happen here in Montgomery or was there kind of a, a bigger exploration of the area going on at the time? <laughs> it, it, it's been a lot of different places. Um, this place opened up and really drew the other investors in. So the, the fact that we could find a place central that we felt was a good location and a, and a great building really helped us get other partners. Well, in this area, not to not to knock any other places that are around here, there aren't a lot of really great drinking places. There's there's a couple here and there, and there's some really great places to eat, but there isn't like that that place that has that vibe that feels a little more um, upscale. You can have some good beer, bring your family, you know, like it's, that just doesn't exist still as far as I know in, in, in this immediate area. So it just feels like it just fits that, um, that need perfectly. And I'm surprised it took somebody as long as it did to, uh, to make something like this happen here. Yeah. I mean, location is key, right? And, um, you don't have to drive too far to find other good beers around. Um, I, I think the location, we, we got lucky. It opened up right around when we were looking, and we're able to pull it off. So um, you've seen a lot of other places around. What do, what do you think? I, I think just the simple fact that we are where we are, I mean, we're kind of in an oasis that had nothing like this. Um, there are a couple places not far from here that offer good craft beers from a variety of places, but there was no craft beer place that was doing anything like we're doing. And the fact that we have extremely good food here, everything done from scratch, kind of puts us apart from other places as well. I mean, almost everything on our menu is made from scratch. Uh, top to bottom, Mark, our chef, does a fantastic job. And then throw in the fact that we've got some amazing beers. There's nothing close to this area that, that's doing it like we are, I think. Well, it's it's neat, too, because, you know, I always like when you get these areas that can start to tie into the areas around them. And there's there's great breweries not that far away. Absolutely. But then to start kind of expanding that down or up the road, depending on how you're looking at it, you know, tying everything together, giving people a reason to, you know, I live on the other side of town, to give me a reason to come over here to hang out and have beer and spend an entire day kind of hanging out over here and spending money and bringing my family out like that. That to me is the key of places like this and places like the, you know, the other places around that just to get people to, to spend time and to be out and to uh, leave their neighborhood when, when that's a little easier. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I mean, well, I, I feel like all I've done for the last, uh, last year is talk to people about COVID and how it has affected their businesses, but how can we not talk about it? You guys were, the first brewery to open up in Cincinnati <laughs> after all hell broke loose. You know, I, 
you were going to open up very, very close to all of that happening and um, kind of got delayed a little bit there and then got stuck right in the middle of it all. How did that, how did that change things? Did it change things? Did it, did it affect how all of this came together? Of, of course it did. It, 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 this business is hard enough as it is. Breweries don't make a huge profit margin to begin with. Throw in the fact that we're restaurants, which no restaurants make a huge profit margin. It, it, it's difficult enough as it is to run this kind of business. Then throw in all kinds of restrictions. We only started out with half capacity that we were allowed to have. We opened the moment they said we could have actually indoor dining. Our, our first night, our soft opening, we weren't allowed to have people inside. So the, once we started to be allowed to have people inside, you can, if you look around the tap room, you still see dividers up. You still see tables that aren't there. Um, we have to make sure everybody's seated. It, it, it's a challenge to overcome all that and still provide the service, the quality of food, the quality of beer. But we're persevering. It's 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 the experience too that I think is strange. Like it's weird to walk into a new brewery, to sit down not at the bar, yeah. to sit down at a table. A lot of time, like if I'm going to, I'm by myself a lot of the time because my I have little kids that will destroy the place if I bring them here, <laughs> and you know. So to sit down at a table by yourself, to sit down with the flight and maybe get excited about something, maybe have a question about something and not have that bartender right across from you. They'd be like, Hey, Hey, come here for a second. Tell me about this. You know, like to not have that immediate interaction, not that you guys didn't or don't do what you have to do to kind of fill those gaps. But, uh, it's, it's strange. It's just, it's, I've never, none of us have ever been through kind of a, a time like this where you have places opening or your first time out somewhere where you don't have that immediate kind of, um, it's just, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. I, I personally like to sit at a bar. I, 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 I like to talk to bartenders. If I can talk to a brewer, somebody that's involved in it, I love doing that. So I take it upon myself to make sure I go around as many tables as possible and answer questions and talk to people and give them whatever kind of information they need. Well, and I will say that the, the first time that I was here, you didn't make your way over to my table and ask me how everything was going, answered any questions that I had. And so that, Everybody is doing what, but man, it's just so strange. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, especially when you look at, you know, a concept like this, it's the, the neighborhood pub idea, this place where um, it's a, a local heavy kind of uh, establishment. People come here for dinner. People come here just, you know, to hang out, you know, after work. It's, it's their local spot. To have that idea where everything is kind of, broken down so much into the you know the impersonal things that we've come to expect from COVID is just so so difficult and I on one hand I'm excited to see once you know we go back to quote-unquote normal how this place really starts to flourish and people start to kind of see what it's really about Um, on the other hand is it do you think it's made it harder to get through this first year for you guys um absolutely it's when or does it make you stronger going out <laughs> of that i don't know i it don't doesn't know if kill it's, you. yeah yeah it's a little, little bit of both it, it, it's harder to get through all this because you're, you're not operating like you normally would want to operate but overcoming all these obstacles and the training we've given our employees are going to make them better in the long run and 
a lot of people who come back time and again keep saying how much they appreciate what we've done to make them feel safe and to allow them to come out and still get great service while trying to maintain as much distance as possible. So it's, it's, it's harder, but it's going to help in the long run. I mean, surely there were, there were moments in the last year that you guys were nervous about what this all meant for a startup like this. Um, we still are. <laughs> and I don't know that that's abnormal, but I feel like there's, you know, I, I feel like, it has to be more for you guys. And I don't know that maybe that's not fair to the places that, that opened other times because they were also terrified from time to time. But like, I just, the respect that I have for places like you guys or rebel metal or whoever maybe that opened in the middle of all of this and had this, this idea that's, they're all, you know, these brilliant ideas that just thrown in the middle of this. It's scary. <laughs> and like, I, I just, I have so much respect for you guys for, being able to still make this happen and um, make it a place that people can still come and still feel a little bit normal, even if they're sitting next to a piece of plexiglass. And <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it has been a challenge. And, you know, you have great nights where more people could come in and more people could could have beer and food and we can't fit them in. And it, it's been a challenge. But, you know, we're we're determined we're going to make it through. And we think in three to six months, People are going to be more comfortable coming out. We'll be able to have a slightly higher capacity and still keep enough space and keep people feeling safe. So we're we're feeling like it's it's going in the right direction. It's definitely going in the right direction. I think capacity will shift a little bit, not just on the you know logistical side of it of you know what you know Big Brother tells us we're allowed to do. Yeah, but also on the fact that that snow will eventually be gone. That yep. patio will. Although I saw you guys had people sitting out there the other night with snow coming down. <laughs> You know, the patio will be a little more comfortable. Um, it will all it'll all shift a little bit more as as time goes on. There's also there's a Dora here, right? Like yeah. when things are, I mean, I guess anytime, but when things are nice, you can get a beer and you can kind of walk around and then come back and get another beer and then go walk around. So even if things are a little crazy, you can still come here and still support your local businesses and. Um, again, try to feel a little bit normal in the middle of all of this. Yeah, and we, we've noticed people that uh, like to walk their dogs or, or you know, small young young families. Yeah. They're stopping by for a door of beer here or there, and, and then they're going back out and, and doing their, their even, having their walk. Even outside of this COVID world we live in, when, I, when we had our first kid, and she started to hit that point where you couldn't go with her to a brewery without her wanting to just run around like a, like a <laughs> mad person you know we we would load up the wagon and we would go you know i live in fairfield so we go to hamilton who has a dora and we grab a beer and you just walk around and all of a sudden she's calm she's happy she's having fun and you can kind of just be out and uh you know i i, I hope that everybody understands that power of a dora <laughs> yeah i think we just got it in november right yeah. jim so oh, perfect we, we don't know yet yeah <laughs> Just as it starts getting cold, and right. it's not, it doesn't make as much sense. But we, we do have a, a couple that comes on a religious basis every week. They they stop it. We have an outdoor window on our patio that you don't even have to come inside. You can you knock on the window. We open that up. We serve you the, your, your Dora beer. It's fantastic. Yeah. They bring their dog and their and their kid in, in their stroller. They 
walk around for a little bit, come back, grab the second beer, and then they head on home. They're, they're, they're great people. Occasionally, if it's not too cold, they'll still sit out on the patio, even though it's 40 degrees. They, <laughs> they enjoy it out there. It's great. You, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. <laughs> and then when, when summer hits, Dora will be a, a, a lot more fun. You know, the Bastille Day celebration that, that Montgomery does every year, that'll be fantastic because they do the parade up, up Montgomery Road. The people will be able to stop down here, grab a couple beers, and go up and watch the parade. It'll 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 be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure if you just get on and Google Montgomery Dora, you can find the map and see kind of where you're allowed to go with your beer and stuff. Yep. Um, I would say that I would put a link in the show notes, but we all know that I would forget to do that. So I just Google it. Um, let's have another beer. Um, what do we have here? Got you a flight of four different beers. Um, you tell me where you want me to start. Well, let's just start with start with number one. Number one is our Das Weissen. All right. Um, we actually just just won an award for that at the U.S. Beer Open Championship. We got a, a bronze medal. Uh, we were about six months old at the time that we we entered into the competition, and to walk away with any piece of hardware is outstanding. It's a tribute to what Bill ha- has done throughout his years of home brewing and J.C. Jordan, our brewer, what he did to actually execute that. It's crisp. It's clean. It tastes exactly like you would expect a German Hefeweizen to taste like. Do you take more pride in winning an award for something like this as you would for some kind of, uh, I don't know, pastry stout or some kind of big thing with all kinds of crap thrown in there? You know, like I, something I, like this I do. is a little more traditional. Uh, yeah, personally, I like the traditional beers, but, you know, we like to offer a variety, so we want to have we're going to have both kinds of the, not both. We're going to have a lot of different varieties, including the, the pastry, the milkshake, the, right, right, right. whatever it is. I have nothing but, against that. I just, yeah. you know, I, I enjoy stuff like this so much more. It's, um, you know, this brings in all of those, uh, I mean, you guys know what a German Hefeweizen tastes like. It's got the big banana clove kind of flavor, some bubble gum going on. And that's all coming from, actual beer ingredients from yes. from from yeast from you know well, most yeah. of this is from yeast yeah not throwing in a bunch of flavorings or adjuncts or things like that that you know kind of simulate flavors like this is coming from a beer and to me that is uh, that's more fun not, not that not that the other stuff doesn't have a place in, in the world of craft beer because clearly it does it, it but, does yeah um, the other stuff is fun and i i like those as a one-off but the fact that you get a, a good, crisp beer out of quality ingredients and brewed properly, to me, is more satisfying. You know, I, nothing wrong with pastry stouts, but I'll drink one pastry stout for every 15 <laughs> stouts that I drink. Most of the time, I can't even get through one of them before. Yeah. I, just, I just want to share it with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> can't, can't drink all this myself. Um, this one I could sit and I could drink all day, especially in the summertime when the sun's yeah. beating down on me. Oh, it's, this is great. It's a fantastic beer. You guys, I mean, clearly you don't need me to tell you that because you know, somebody else the, has told us the, that the, too. The award. <laughs> although I think I told you guys about that too. Yeah. Yeah. As <laughs> it, it, a matter of fact, they, they had announced the, the awards and we did not know we had won the award yet <laughs> until you put right. it out there. There's, I mean, on to, to give Dow a little bit of credit, that's a lot of people he had to notify Absolutely. about their awards. So. Dow, Dow's, a, Dow's a great guy. Um, he, he runs a really quality championship, um, bring, does a lot for the beer community, 
but you know, he had a couple thousand <laughs> entries and all those awards to get out there. He can't notify everybody before he puts the list out. Well, especially in the world that we're in now, you know, his his competition is not just beer. Like it brings in seltzers and ciders and all that stuff too. And that's that's a whole other world now too that yeah. he has to kind of uh, wade his way through. We should talk about that. You guys do have a seltzer, right? Yes. Uh, talk about that decision a little bit. Was it sure. was it tough to decide to put a seltzer on, or was it an easy no brainer because you knew that that's what some of the people that were coming in here really wanted to uh, to drink? So I thought it was an easy decision. It, there was, it was a little more to brewing a seltzer than you might think, but right. you know, once we studied and, and checked in with some of our brewing friends, you know, we thought it was a good a, a good augmentation to what we were offering. And, you know, basically gluten-free, sugar-free. So um, it, it offers another, another option for folks. E- easy decision. I admit I was a little snobbish at first when, when Bill said he, he well, wanted to do a seltzer. I, w- I was kind of hesitant and it was like, oh, come on, no. <laughs> but it, it makes total sense. It, it, it's, it's being gluten-free and we have several customers that come in that are gluten-free. It makes a ton of sense. And it, it actually tastes really good. I, it's not something I would normally drink. It's no different to me than having, you know, soda available in your, your, your brew pub or to have even have, you know, food in some ways. You know, the, the thing that people are, are wanting when they're here that isn't beer, how, how are you not going to kind of provide them with some of that Um I yeah, I mean, we're, we're about options. Yeah. It's very difficult for me because I still don't fully understand what is happening with, with this seltzer craze that, that the world is going through. But clearly it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Lower calorie version of... Yeah. I, I, that's absurd because, you know, there are plenty of, of lighter beers... Which we, are, which we do a couple of very good ones. Calorie-wise calorie are not that far off from a seltzer. Seltzers usually, what, 100-ish calories? Yeah. There's a lot of beers that are about 100 calories. They are. Seltzers are about 5%. And, and, and other beers are like... That's true. That's true. Four, three and a half. <laughs> that's so. true. Well, you can just, you know, drink a couple shots or something. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, I can't... I just I still cannot figure it out in my head. It's uh, it's a it's perception. And um, I don't know. It's a, it's a different show, guys. So, so do you like, instead of a seltzer, would you rather see a cider or... I don't know. I don't know. I, I would rather drink a most ciders i would rather drink a cider versus a seltzer same um on one if I, you're asking like my actual preference on the other hand though like i'm so fascinated by people's seltzer and trying it and seeing what they did wrong in a lot of cases because they're i think that's you know if somebody does it right it's just a seltzer yeah. the perfect seltzer doesn't taste like anything yeah. Bingo. <laughs> you know, so it's like you're always looking for the flaws in it. Um, so so we have flavoring. Me. I mean, we have various different flavors for ours, so you can kind of cater it to however, right. what you like. So you guys flavor it after it's, so it's you have a base seltzer that you then flavor depending yes. on what people want. I think that's the smart way to do it. That's, you know. Um, it, it also saves tap space. Sure. Well, and it, it kind of gives people the ability to uh, kind of create their own spin on things, too, if they want uh, raspberry something or other. You know, they can kind of mix stuff. and Yeah, people like choices. That's right. right. <laughs> I, I can't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk about uh, 
to you guys, you know, when you were planning this space and this was all coming together and, and maybe even how it's changed to now, what do you think makes a tap room or uh, a brew pub good? What makes, what makes it work? What makes it a place that you want to hang out or you think that other people want to hang out? So I think you have to make it comfortable, right? When you walk into the space, it has to look and feel comfortable. Um, you know, generally you like to see menus, you like to see taps, you like to see where the beer was brewed and, you know, a little bit of music and, and a great staff help, help the environment just feel like a, I want to be there. What about for you? Uh, mostly what Bill said is, is absolutely correct. It's, <coughs> sorry. For me, beyond that, you, you got to have good service. Um, your, your bartenders have to kind of greet you when you come in. You have to feel, feel comfortable. You want to be recognized that you're, you're here to support the, the, the place. And we try and make sure that we recognize every single customer that comes in. If you're here for the first time, we try and talk to you and let you know what we're about. If you're a returner, we welcome you back and, and try and make sure that you feel comfortable again. It, customer service goes a long way. And I've been to so many places where bartenders don't want to talk to you. They, the, 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 the servers barely acknowledge that you're there. We want to make sure that everybody feels comfortable, that you, you feel like a friend, yeah. that you're, you're part of the community around you. We're trying to give back as much as possible to our community, and we want to make sure the community knows that they're welcome here. Everybody that's listening to this just had that memory pop into their head of that time they walked in somewhere and were just ignored, <laughs> and they were mad, and they walked out there, I'm never going back there. Yeah, yeah. It takes 10 <laughs> minutes to get service. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has that experience. Do you think that some of the things that, that made a tap room or a brew pub or whatever it may be good before do you think some of that has changed in today's kind of world in in the the covid world we live in a little bit because right now we've got i think uh six seats at the bar instead of 20 seats at the bar right and, and it's not quite as cozy as it used to be um it'll get back there we'll we'll eventually be back to as you say the the new the, the normal but it is a little different. It's it's a little alien still. You, you walk into a place and you expect people, you see people standing up and, and being shoulder to shoulder and talking to each other and enjoying themselves. Instead, they're enjoying themselves, but they're all seated. There's, there's, there's not a lot of people standing around. You can't wander from table to table with your friends. It's, it's a little different. Um, we'll get back to that, but it's, it's definitely different right now. What about for you? Do you think things have changed as far as what what makes a good tap room in you know in 2021 versus maybe 2018 yeah definitely i mean it you need space right you want to be comfortable you probably want more space than you did a year ago and and that's the biggest thing you'll see a lot of space between tables you'll see people with masks it always feels a little weird when you're walking in and you see everybody with a mask on but other than that, I think it's it's kind of spacing people out. Other than that, it's pretty much the same. Nice, nice environment. There's a part of me that um, that enjoys the masks a little bit, especially when it's cold outside. I mean, obviously, <laughs> when you're outside, I'm still wearing my mask because it's cold. Um, but being able to walk into places with a mask on and kind of be 
anonymous. There's still places that I can walk into that I, I can't just sit down and have a beer. Somebody's going to ask me about this or ask me, but you know, not that I don't enjoy that. I love talking to people, but sometimes you just want to sit down and have a beer. Yeah. And so being able to kind of be anonymous again everywhere is just kind of, uh, kind of freeing. Huh. <laughs> Usually I don't have a hat on that has the gnome and then wear uh. you know, a brewery mask and, you know, I'm not all decked out in, uh, in gnome gear, but, um, how do you, how do you take a place like this? And it, you know, on the surface, it's easy. Just you open up a brewery that's comfortable for people. You give them a space that they want. Give them good food, good beer, and they come. But how do you kind of how do you take this and ingrain yourself in a community? Because I think that's the idea of this is becoming part of the community. Well, Montgomery is question, yeah. So we're probably missing a partner to to help answer part of that question. But Montgomery has been great to us. And we've, we've done our best to partner with, with them and the neighboring businesses to, to make it, you know, to make us feel like, to make people feel like this is a home and we're part of the overall retail space here. Right. In general, we want to do as much as we can for the community around us. We know that a lot of our customers, our neighbors, several of them who walk up here on a regular basis, but we, we, we're partnering with local organizations as well. Um, Operation Gives Back, a local charity. We've done several fundraisers for them. Um, Sycamore Sports, we've done a several fundraisers for them. Uh, we partnered with Bethesda North right up there to help raise money for their Breast Cancer Research Foundation. We've got a leukemia fundraiser coming up. We just set something up with a Sycamore Cheerleaders. Anything we can do to help take care of our community, which is taking care of us, right. we're more than happy to do. And if you, if you can't give back to the community you're in, that, I think that's a problem. You know, you, you, you need to be not just taking from the community, you need to give back and you need to be an asset to the community just besides just providing money in a tax base. Right. You know, you, you want to be more than just, Hey, come and support us because we're local and we're small. You want to say, Hey, come support us because we're going to support you too. Yeah. And we left one out. We did a Hawksworth blood drive, which was yeah. great. We filled up all the slots to, to help those in need. Oh, and, and the Dragonfly Foundation. I forgot about that one, too. I mean... We probably forgot a couple of I'm too. sure we have. <laughs> if, you're, if you're giving blood, do you have to do it before you drink, or do you have to do it after you drink? I don't know. They, they, they say... Care, they, careful. They, they say no more than one beer before you give blood. Afterwards, they're not in control. Oh, they tell you 24 hours, I think. <laughs> Just need to sit down for a little bit, guys. Yeah. Um, let's drink another beer. All right. And this is... Uh, the Napoleon's, Napoleon's Revenge. Revenge. It's a Belgian triple. Yeah, so that, that's one of the beers that, um, you know, we like to offer that because it's a unique style. A lot of people haven't had exposure to it, um, you know, Belgian triple, and we really like it. like to hear what you think about it. So I um, am notorious on this show for saying that I do not like Belgian-style beers. Oh, uh, I should have been warned. But, but <laughs> I, with, I knew that. You know, that's why I put it in there. <laughs> with that being said... Every Belgian style beer that I've had in like the last, I don't know, like two or three years, I've talked about how much I enjoyed it and maybe that I just think in my head I don't like them. That goes for this too. It's big, it's fruity, it's, uh, it doesn't have, I think that maybe 
at some point I had a large string of just very bad Belgian style beers. <laughs> I got this thing in my head that I didn't like it. And um, clearly that's not the case because I enjoy this. Yeah, you, you know, it's, it's a, a big beer. It, it is. I mean, it, it's between eight and a half and nine percent. Um, to me, it's kind of a it bridges the gap between beer and wine. And it also grows on you, you know, as you, you know, you go through your IPA phase and you start trying different beers and it's a, it's a beer that it's, it's a nice alternative to an, to an IPA. Yeah. I, I enjoy it a lot. It, um, it's one of those beers that I think when you pair it up with food, I think it, it kind of takes on a whole other personality too. This is, um, there's a lot going on in there that's kind of tucked away behind the big kind of bold well, not that it's boozy, but it's 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 a big beer. It is, yeah. And some of those some of those layers kind of hide behind that, and I think that you know food could bring some of that out a lot. Twenty five or thirty years ago, when I was starting to learn how to really like craft beer, when craft beer was kind of in its infancy, I went out and and, and bought more European beers, and I bought some some Belgian beers and said. Ooh, I don't like these beers. They, they, it was a foreign taste to me. And then I realized later as I, I got a, a more sophisticated palate that probably half the Belgian beers I, I bought had probably sat on a shelf for way too long. Years and years. <laughs> yeah. That's even a problem now, though. Like, we, you know, we, when you've got a, a place that's close to you that's making good Belgian-style beers like this, and then you go to your you know, local grocery store and you grab maybe a world-class Belgian-style beer, or Belgian beer even, and you, you grab it off the shelf and it's been sitting for a year. Some of those will improve. Some of them don't improve. Some yeah. of them have been beat to hell. Some of them have been tossed around and thrown in light. God knows what else. And it, uh, it's, a, it, it, it's amazing the difference between good, fresh, local beer and beer that has been sent across the world. Yes. <laughs> you know, and not that that's, you know, yeah. it's not fair, but that's kind of, that's, that's the way it is. I, I would much rather drink something from a local place that I know has been handled right than to, to roll the dice. And like I said, even a world-class beer that I know is a fantastic beer. I just, I don't know that it's going to stand up to its, its full potential, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You never it's know. A, it's, it's wild. I, I remember when, um, when I first started drinking beer, Somebody bought uh, my stepdad this, um, you know, beers of the world kit. You know, it was like a little, little like six pack or twelve pack or something of all these different world beers. And you know, he's uh, he's gotten better with his beer drinking, but at the time he was not an adventurous beer drinker. You know, a lot of them he didn't like, and there were a lot of them he's like, I don't want this. You, you can have this. And one of those was a uh, a Lindemann's lambic. It was uh, some well, kind of a tough a cherry creek some, or something. Yeah, yeah something or like that. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. I don't remember which one it was specifically, but I remember drinking it and I remember how horrible I thought that beer was. <laughs> Lambics are out there. <laughs> it was, so It yeah. was unlike anything I'd ever had before. I was not prepared for it and it took me a long time to try something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so most of the Belgians aren't like that. And if you take it down to a Stella or, you know, Hoogarden, you know, there's a lot more subtle subtlety in the flavors. Right. So, um, Jim, do you think I could uh, get another beer? Maybe. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we'll keep going. We'll keep talking. Well, you'll, um, you'll, you'll make some cuts too, right? Yeah. Thanks. Is in your words, if you could kind of describe 
what what is MPH? What is Montgomery Public House? Just if you had to sum it up into a you know two sentence spiel of what is this place? I would say it's a neighborhood microbrewery with the ambition to provide a wide variety of beers and great food. Sounds like you've practiced that before. <laughs> uh, it's you know what I've written it down, but it's honestly what I believe. Well, and that's you know it. On the surface, that seems so simple, but it is so hard to actually hit on all of those things. It's really easy to go down a rabbit hole on, on any side of that to try to create an amazing space and get lost in that and forget about everything else or, you know, get lost in the beer or the food or, you know, any, any piece of that puzzle and then forget about everything else. And um, it's, hard to, it's hard to keep all that balanced. Yeah, you thought I rehearsed that response, and we haven't rehearsed anything. I, I can tell you. <laughs> I asked him in his words, uh, "What is uh, MPH? What is Montgomery Public House?" And he had it right away. <laughs> Bill's an intelligent guy. <laughs> I mean, that really was our goal: a wide variety of of European American beers and great food, and you know, it sums it up. Where does it go longer term? Like talking, you know. It used to always be that every place was always talking about growth and, and how, how big you get and, and you know, where you can send your beer and this and that. And how, 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 where, is, where is the end goal for, for you guys? I, I really like our space here. Um, maybe some improvements on, on our deck, a little bit of extra space here or there. Um, and our immediate goal to make this place a, a place you want to come to, you know, beyond that, I suppose if everything were going great, we'd probably want to open another one, um, maybe in the new shopping mall up the street or, or somewhere else. But really for several of our, our partners and owners, we really just want to make this place a very uncomfortable place to go. We, we don't need to be a, a world giant in the beer business. They're already out there. Yeah. <laughs> the, the idea is to make this comfortable and fun and everything stay the quality as good as it is and continue to just, you know, change a few things here and there, do, do up some different beers every so often, you know, rotate those in and out, offer some fun food. We do want to distribute our, our beer in the kegs a, a, a little bit wider out, but we're not going to go crazy over trying to get all that out there. You know, we want people to come here and see what we're about. It's a, a strange world now. Yes. Um, like I said, it used to be that everybody was talking about that idea of growth and getting more beer out there. I think that, and I, I've said this for a while and it doesn't seem like anybody's catching on. I think that this is the future of craft beer places like this where you want a beer from a brewery, you just go there. Yeah. It's it's local to you, it's it's your spot, and you just go there and you get a beer. And the bigger places will always exist, but it doesn't it doesn't speak to people the same way that someplace like this does. You when you when you even if you take a, a growler home or something, like when you're sitting there and you drink it, you remember here, you remember this place and you want to go back and you you tell the people you're drinking it with about your experience there. It's it's just so different than if you 
you know, sit at home and crack open a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, which is which is fine. And it's 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 still fine beer, yes. But it's just it's 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 different. Even maybe it's not. Even then, like if I crack open a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale with somebody, I'm telling them about the time I went to you know Asheville (laughs) and sat out there and had you know like that's that's where my mind goes now, and that gets sure. Um, I don't know. The, the, the world is changing. <laughs> um, let's drink another beer and then we'll, we'll move on. Um, this is a Baltic Porter. Yes. The Great Dane. Great Dane. Which is actually what I'm drinking as well. It's a Baltic Porter lager. To me, it's right now, it's, it's my favorite beer that we brew, um, partly because it's one of our newer beers. But I think it, it, it's got great flavor, great taste. Uh, very, very drinkable. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Um, Baltic porters are one of those styles that I feel like was neglected for a very long time, especially kind of on a local scale. And they're starting to pop up now, and I'm all about it, man. I This is right in my wheelhouse. I like a good, dark lager. I like something that brings something else to the lager game. It's still drinkable. It still has that lager character to it, but um, it's just layered up with flavor. Man. Yes. Yeah, it's a very smooth beer. It's another big beer, though. you got to be a little careful with uh, it. Again, it's cold outside. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we were very happy with the results. JC, our brewer, did a great job, and um, it, people have liked that beer a lot, including including us. It's, it's really well done. Uh, delicious. Fits right in with, um, again, this time of year, Bach season. Uh, obviously, it's not a Bach, but it fits in with that idea of what you're looking for. You're looking for something that when it's cold outside or when it's, you know, a, a nasty day, you can just kind of sit and kind of curl up and, and, and sip at something. When it's sunny outside, you can still drink the same beer and put put them down and, 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 and have a good day. Yeah. <laughs> fits right in that that wheelhouse for me um awesome beer really well done let's talk about left hand um i this was one of my failures as a blogger this caught me off guard i had no idea it was coming and i should have because i should have done some digging and i should have (laughs) found the uh the connections and should have anticipated this you guys have left hand beer on tap correct Talk about how that happened, why that happened, and, and, and how it kind of fits into the idea of all of this. Well, 28 years ago, my cousin Eric Wallace co-founded Left Hand Brewing Company with Dick Dorr. Um, they were ex-Air Force guys who bought a home brewing kit, and that, of, like most home brewers, ended up expanding into the doing their own brewery. I was actually looking for a place to do a left-hand tap room in Cincinnati when the original four investors in MPH contacted me and asked me about running the MPH for them. Well, we, we kind of married the two ideas, the idea being that, you know, left-hand does some styles that we probably will never do. Um, they're a quality brewery, and it was a nice, nice marriage of, of being able to offer both. Um, it, it makes sense for some of the things that Bill doesn't necessarily ever want to get into, like the Gosas and things like that. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a nice complement to what we do. Yeah, if you look at the styles that we brew and the styles that we have from Left Hand, and some of them you can only find here, 
it, it's uh, it really just broadens the the full range of beers. I mean, they're totally across the board as far as the, the styles of beer we offer. What has the reaction been with people? Do like do people understand what left hand is? Or because I mean, for somebody like me, it's it's always been there. Like I, Left Hand is one of those breweries that kind of was with us through our whole journey of craft beer. But I I, I don't know the average person that kind of walks in the door. Probably fifty percent of the people that walk in the door already knew about Left Hand. Have already, especially the the their milk stout. Right, They've the, already the the big daddy of what they they that's out there. 50% knew what left hand was and, and were familiar. And a couple of them came in because of left hand, which is wonderful for us. The other 50% are like, okay, why? And it gives another chance for us to engage in the customer, to talk about it and explain it. And, you know, it, it again, it offers us more variety to what we can offer people. Do you think that this opens a door or kind of, shines a light maybe on an idea that can can change in the future for what local tap rooms are. You, you talk about pairing up and we want to get our beer into this market. We want a tap room. We don't really want to do our own tap room or maybe for some places we don't think that, not that this is the case with left hand, but we don't think we can necessarily support an entire tap room, but we want to get our beer here. This idea of like teaming up and, and creating these spaces where you can get multiple things. Uh, yeah. Southern I mean, didn't Southern tier do something like that. I mean, I think it's an ownership thing with them, like where it's all under the same banner, but they have some tap rooms kind of around that are, you know, three or four brands in the same space. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you'll see it more and more. I mean, it's a great way for a bigger company to help a, a microbrewery and uh, it's a great partnership. So I think you'll see more of them. Does it affect what you guys brew at all? Like when you, if you get some kind of a hankering that you you want to do a milk stout? We, it probably works the other way around. Um, they have a very broad range of beers. So what we do is we brew what we think um, will sell well here. And then we augment and fill in with, with some of the, some of the styles that just are different than what we have, as well as bringing some of their popular beers that we know people like. I, I think it, it has affected what we would bring in from them. Um, there are a couple things that we've that we've done here that are one-offs that, that makes sense. You, you can't get anywhere else besides either Longmont or there, it was an Ohio exclusive or that kind of thing. I know they've got a, their, their new Belgian triples out, and it's a very excellent Belgian triple, but we're really, really happy with ours. Right. So there's no point in us bringing in their Belgian triple. It, it just makes sense that, you know, looking together, what makes sense for us is to highlight our beers. Not that we're not highlighting their beers as well, but we're really proud of what we do. So there's no reason to, to bring in their Belgian triple. Yeah. In like Oktoberfest, we brought their Oktoberfest in. It was a big hit. You know, it was a great, Great fit into just a broad variety of beers. Has there been any talk of doing any kind of collaboration beer that is? It, uh, it's on our it's on our docket. <laughs> um, it's just scheduling, and you know they're in Longmont, Colorado, right. and with um, with COVID and everything, it's made it a little. Like our plans were, we're going to do collaboration beers. <laughs> Can you zoom, brew, put it like a, a laptop up? <laughs> 
We Probably. Don't, don't touch that. Don't touch it. <laughs> we actually have the, the, the seeds of a collaboration with another local brewery already right. already planted. Um, it, that's going to be a matter of scheduling. And, you know, yeah. COVID, of course, makes it a little more difficult. But uh, I'm actually going to touch base with that brewery this this upcoming week and try and get get it scheduled and get working on the logistics. You want to throw any hints out there? Absolutely not. <laughs> Very much looking forward to it. And, and j- just to put things in perspective, when we talked to uh, Left End, they gave us a tour of their um, their smaller trial area, and it looked a lot like <laughs> looked a lot like what you see over there. Yeah, they're 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 except it was bigger. <laughs> their fun little lab of experimentation is bigger than our whole entire brewing operation. <laughs> well, it was funny when uh, when Sam Adams came into town, and well, not when they came into town, when they opened their their tap room here with the with the the nano brewery in there and seeing a, you know, a, a three barrel brew house and the amount of money they dumped into that three barrel brew house. I personally sat there and, and, and kind of watched some brewers who have around that size system or maybe smaller kind of look at it and like you just see like that look in their eyes. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. But the, this is, what they spent for that would be absurd. The same amount of beer that I'm making right now. Yeah. But, oh, man, he can just sit at the bar and his brew on his laptop. And yes. Just, <laughs> yeah, it's um the uh, there's there's whole different uh, levels of what all of this is. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so sticking on the left hand thing for just a minute if you can bear with me i'm i'm fascinated by this idea because i don't know of anybody else definitely nobody else locally that has ever you know kind of i think actually nationally we were the first two breweries that teamed up like this i i, I don't know, i'm not aware of cuz any... it's it's not an ownership deal they don't own this right they, well there 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 is a minority stake that there's left hand Cincinnati that right. is that is myself, uh, our chef, and left hand. We we threw a little bit of money in here, but it's not like they have any real. It's, s- it's very different than than Wicked Weed, where yes. they are owned by correct, <laughs> correct. It yeah, think of five partners, you know, yeah. and and they're one of the five. Do you think that it affects like when somebody is trying to sell a beer? Like at the talking about your bartenders at the bar, if somebody is asking for, we'll we'll just say a dark beer. I don't I don't know what what left hand beers you guys have on tap. Right? We'll say a dark beer. So oh, I like dark beer. Do you think that they are going to lean heavier into your beers, or do you think that we always ask what do you normally drink? What are you looking for? And then we, we start off with trying to give you the best representation of what you're looking for. And then we spread out a little bit from there. So it all depends on what you're looking for. The majority of what we, we sell is our beer. And so we're, and we have way more of our beer than left hand's beer. So a lot of it ends up going towards our beer. But when somebody says, Hey, I want something sour. Well, we don't we don't brew anything right. sour, so it's really easy for us to give them a gosa that left hand brews. There's not a, there's not a favoritism one way or the other, but we obviously recommend more of our beers just because we have more beers to offer. We try and we try and treat everything fairly equally. It's it would be difficult for me. Especially if if I was somebody on 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 the brewing side of things, where I had 
put this time into this thing that was my idea to have it sitting next to something that was somebody else's idea. I, I, I don't know. I, it's uh, So, I mean, Jim and I talked through this stuff, and um, if you look at the styles, other than maybe one style, there's not much overlap, and there wasn't probably any overlap over the summer. So, you know, we had left hands IPA in for a little bit. Oh, yeah. But the, so that, but that was a dry hopped IPA. Yeah. It was different. Yeah. So there's, there's no ego there at all of wanting, sure, a little more bit. Taps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A little, but we both respect, you know, we respect and really are happy with, with what they've helped us do. And the fact that they have, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 beers, it's very easy to find a style that we don't have. Right. And we put it on, and it's good for both companies. How much, uh, how much kind of leeway do you guys have on on what you get in here? Biggest problem right now is what they're kegging because of COVID. They're canning a bunch more. You know, they're they're not putting as, as many kegs out in the marketplace. So some of their runs are just nothing but cans, and so there's occasionally something that I want to get from left hand that they're like, Ooh, we don't have it at the moment. So it, it, it'll vary about what we can bring in. Uh, but you know, occasionally we'll get something fun from them that again is only available in their tap room, you know? So it, it's in normal times, we'd have plenty of leeway in COVID times, not as much leeway. There are a few things that I don't see as, not doing like their Gosa, uh, probably their Berry Blonde and, and the Nitro Milk Stout. Yeah. I think those will always probably be here. My preference is to keep their Sawtooth Amber on, on tap for the most part. And then, you know, whatever else is fun that they have in kegs right now, Bill and I will talk about what's what's available and what's not. Some things I've automatically nixed, like, again, their, their Belgian Triple, because, dang, our Belgian Triple is so good. I, I want to keep the focus on that. Yeah, and having two unless you have a, unless a it's Belgian a beer festival. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't make doesn't make much sense. And then Grand Place, right? How much say do they have into what is on tap here, or is there any? Like, if if they if they call you and say, "Hey, man, we really we really want to start pushing this beer in that market. We really want people to know about it. Will you please put this on tap? I know there's a little bit of an overlap." Like the, the only time that's happened is their Pilsner when we brought that in. They, they didn't oh, say you can't you, have too many Pilsners. They, they didn't <laughs> say you have to do it, but Eric called me up and said, I'd really like that. And we went, okay. Yeah, it's a good partnership. So it sounds good. I, it's again, it's unlike anything that I've ever seen. And I, I think unlike anything anybody's ever seen, the there's only, still a lot of people that just don't understand what it is. The only restriction that we, we've ever had with them is if we use their logo for anything, they just want to approve it first, yeah. which is, you know, it's, it's their brand. That's easy. Right. Let's drink another beer. Uh, All right. What do you have up? Bitchin' Let, Kitchen? Uh, <laughs> it, you know, a fun IPA it, name. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's our hoppiest IPA. It's, it's, it's a pretty much of a hop bomb. Our chef, Mark, when we brewed our first IPA, the Monty, Mark is a, a hop head and a, a snob about his hops. He, he tasted and went, wow, this is really good, but you, you need to make an IPA with mosaic and citra hops, and you need to hop the heck out of it. And our, our brewer kind of looked at him and went, yeah, okay. <laughs> and and then, then we came out with our, our, our second IPA, our Solar Fog, and, and Mark tasted it and went, 
man, this is really good too, but where's my Mosaic and Citra hopped IPA? And so Bill and, and, and JC got together and, and came up with the recipe for the Bitchin' Kitchen. And when it was brewing, Mark could smell the hops going into it. And Mark's like, yeah, that, that's it. And I asked JC, I'm like, what, what, what are we going to call this, this new IPA? He goes, he goes, I don't care. I'm just tired of the kitchen bitching. <laughs> oh, that's great. But Mark is an IPA fan, you know, so we were running things by him. And our, our first IPA was kind of earthy versus citrusy. More of an English style, yeah. which is still I think, delicious. I think I had the second one when I was here, I think. I feel like that's right the okay. time frame that I came in. I think I could be completely wrong, but I'd have to check on tap. But yeah, that's got a load of mosaic and and citra in there, and uh, people, uh, you know, if you like that style of beer, this is I, again. I I say this a lot. It's it's fantastic. It's delicious. When you, uh, I mean, if you can see the the glass, it just the the head on it coats the glass afterwards. Like you, uh, it's 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 awesome. It. Uh, it's bitter, but it's got that nice fruit backing it all up, and it's it's right. It's a it's a hoppy IPA. It is yeah. it is. If you like hops, this is exactly what you want. Yeah, it's a, IBUs are pretty high. Yeah, it's a it's awesome. Let's talk about kind of the the bigger picture of Cincinnati beer, because as much as you guys are a local spot, you're still part of this bigger kind of craft beer community. How do you, how do you separate yourselves from everybody else in the middle of this boom of craft beer in the city? Or do you? Maybe, maybe you don't. I think we do by variety. I mean, it's kind of the same thing I was saying earlier. We try to offer a huge variety of beers, and a lot of places really focus on IPAs and a couple other beers. We try to offer a huge variety of beers. And I think that gives people, you know, your friend and your other friend that likes a particular style, we probably have it. And I think that opens it up. It's, this is a great time to be alive in Cincinnati if you're a craft beer fan. There are, there are so many breweries and so many of them doing things very well. And the fact that I think that we actually fit into this community and we can differentiate ourselves by some of our offerings. Um, I don't know that there's another brewery right now that has a Baltic Porter Lager, a Belgian Triple, um, a, you know, Doppelbach, a, a Doppelbach, Saison, a, Saison, a Hefeweizen, all at the same time. <laughs> I'd have to really think about that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we, we the big guys might, but yeah, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think the big I don't guys think do. they do. That's you know, we we, and, but then we still have our really hoppy IPAs and an, an earthy IPA. We still offer a lot of the mainstream selections, you know, because Cincinnati is forty five percent, I think, at this point in time, IPA. Yeah, that's that's kind of the market here, and so we still offer something that that fits that but we've got such a wide selection of well done beers and i think that helps set us apart from some other people yeah where do you think it goes where do you think this craft beer world is is headed like what do you think the the next thing is do you think people are kind of drifting back into traditional styles no <laughs> i mean I- you answer I answer that really quick. Well, you know, I, you touched on it earlier, right? I think the future is more of a a place like this where you have one shop or two 
you know, you're not exporting and you're not canning and you're not putting your beer through a bunch of other people's taps. It's you come in for the experience and, you know, the uniqueness of a place. And it has to have good beer and good food to make it sustainable. But I, I think people are looking for something a little different, maybe a style I've never tried before. Somebody locally once said that uh, it comes down to three things. It's, you know, you know, good, good beer, good location, or good experience. You have to hit two of those. Okay. If you hit two of them, you can succeed. But you got to hit two of them. <laughs> There's not many places that can hit all three. Like that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, we're we're doing our best to hit all three. We're trying, as, as you should be. Um, what gets you excited right now about craft beer, and what terrifies you right now about craft beer? Um, get excited is brewing new styles, and not like new to the world, but you know styles that aren't all that often brewed in the, in right. this area, giving people opportunities to try something new. Scared. COVID, you know, when can we expect people to feel comfortable coming out, you know, on a regular basis? Or do they ever feel comfortable again? Yeah. That's, yeah, my, they, that's they, my fear. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, do people walk into a bar when everything goes back to normal and there's twice as many tables when you walk in the door here? Does somebody walk in the door and immediately their brain shifts into this other thing? If it's too crowded. I'm not comfortable. We need to go. That's, yeah. that's what scares me. If you belly up at a bar and there's people sitting next to you. Are people going to be comfortable with you starting a conversation? Yeah, and they might touch you while you're yeah, reaching yeah, over. Like to, I, I yeah. miss that. I miss like that camaraderie of the bar, or reaching over bar the, atmosphere. Reaching over the top of yeah. you to grab a beer yeah, and yeah. ordering a beer over the top of you. Or even like, hey, try this. Yeah, You know, that, like, that right. world, I, I want it to come back, but yeah. I don't know that everybody does. <laughs> like that, that terrifies me. That I miss that world. I do too, but I'm, too. I'm, a, I'm, I fear that our culture has, is shifting and that eventually people will get used to this. And I don't want that at all. I don't want, I don't want people to get used to it. I want this to always be weird yeah. and people to, to understand that this is temporary. Yeah. The people that are, you know, 16 to 24 may, you know, may, may never shake hands. Yeah. But <laughs> even like on a, on a weird level, like my, my oldest kid, by the time she was like one, she had been to 30-something breweries. That's what we did on the weekends. We went and we hung out in breweries. We we sat in a, you know, a, a beer garden or a patio and we, we hung out. My my youngest, he's, you know, nine months old. He's been to one brewery. <laughs> yeah. We went on, on Father's Day, sat in a beer garden, and, you know, that was it. <laughs> that's, that's his, like, she grew up in, in, in well, I guess – in all fairness, she probably doesn't even remember any of that now that now it is normal for her. But like, I don't want kids growing up to feel like this is normal. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a very strange thing for me. It's, it's yeah. I mean, we took our kids everywhere, you know, either in the backpack or the, whatever you call that banana holder that you can bring yeah. them in and send them down. And, you know, we'd go out for dinner and, and a microbrewery if you can find one. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's kind of a little scary. Some of that might go away. I, well, and just, you know, and that's like, that's, you're, we're talking about little kids now. You talk about kids that are, you know, at that, right at that drinking age or, you know, yeah, maybe a little younger. Like 
this being their experience of what the world is like now, and that becomes their normal. I don't know. It's just it, it scares me. It makes me makes me uncomfortable with the world. I'm a I'm a I'm a bar guy. I like I like going to bars. <laughs> I don't I don't want that to go away. Um, as we kind of wrap up here, what do you guys want people to know about? MPH, Montgomery Public House, however you want to re- call it. Um, what do you what do you want them to know that you think they don't know already? I think the broad variety of beer and the great food. And, you know, we're not just offering two or three styles. We have over 20. And I think we have a beer that you like if you like beer. If you don't, we have other beverages. How many taps do you guys have? 21. And one of them is dedicated to seltzer? Uh, one is CO2. <laughs> so one is seltzer, gotcha. 19 beers. Gotcha. <laughs> um, besides the, the, the fact that we have really, really good quality beers, and they do change on a fairly regular basis. Um, in fact, we just added a, a cherry version of the, the Baltic Porter, uh, we just ran out of our, our blood orange uh, IPA that we had done. Uh, we're getting ready to do a habanero IPA. Um, you know, besides the, the the quality beer that we have, we have really high quality food. Everything made from scratch, with the exception of tater tots, because well, you can't really improve on tater tots. <laughs> no. how, do you, how do you make them? They're, yeah. they're the best frozen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and we got great customer service. You know, it, it's show up here, try us out. We guarantee you're going to enjoy it and you'll come back. I've got one other thing I kind of slipped my mind. So on any special day, we will have a special food item, a special drink, and some f- fun item. So um, tell them what we had on Fat Tuesday. For for Fat Tuesday, we actually did a, a, a take on a muffalata as a pizza. Um, and then we also, all this week, we're still doing that. And we're doing Sazeracs, which we don't normally oh. do mixed drinks. My favorite cocktail in the world. Oh, you'll have one tonight if you're allowed. <laughs> um, Always allowed. <laughs> we, we, we do offer we do offer wine and, and, and bourbon, and so it was easy for us to go ahead and do a Sazerac. And my, my wife is certainly appreciative of that because she loves New Orleans and she loves Sazeracs. <laughs> Taste yeah. the season. So, yeah. so we're going to offer things like that on all the, all the unique days so that if you come in here, you'll see something different. You know, it's not the same... It's not our, our folks wearing Mardi Gras beads. It's There will be a different menu item, different drink item. I like it. I, I like what you guys are doing here. I think that this is, like I said, I think this, this is the future of what we're looking at with craft beer. And I think you guys are doing a really good job spearheading that idea and showing that it is it is possible. <laughs> that that oh, seems that's, crazy to me because it, it's great to hear. Like, Thank you. You know, if you, like I said, if you hit those, those, marks there's no reason it isn't possible and um i I want more places like this all around the city i want uh i want every neighborhood to have a place like this that people can call their own you just gotta do it the right way and you guys are i'd like to personally thank you for coming out and, and doing this with us and also you've been doing this for quite a long time um, you are probably the, the one that has been focusing on craft on craft beer in Cincinnati longer than anybody else. I think, how long has it been? Has it been about like six years, seven years? I have no idea. <laughs> because I, I remember. Uh, it all becomes blurry at a yeah, certain point. 
you were the first one I started following. Well, I and, appreciate that. And, and I, I, I love the fact that you were able to get insights from breweries that nobody else was knowing about. You're, you're always digging for new, you know, the, the labels that people are, so you know what people are going to be releasing. You, you've been a, a great ambassador for the Cincinnati craft beer. And it's, it's really appreciated from somebody that enjoys craft beer. I appreciate that a lot. I now feel the need to shout out all of the people who came before me that kind of paved the path for what, who I am and what the gnarly gnome is. But um, namely right now, Hopperatives, who is getting ready to start back up with events. Carla, Tom, get that going, make, make that happen again. (laughs) But you know, I, I appreciate that very much. I feel like I um, feel like I'm just a, a drunk with a microphone that enjoys <laughs> this a whole bunch. <laughs> but but you're an articulate drunk with a microphone, so it's great. I, I, an educated enthusiast. <laughs> I appreciate it very much. I appreciate what you guys are doing here. I want everybody to come experience what this is, especially if you if you like trying that variety if you if you like traditional beers and maybe your buddy likes big giant hoppy ipas or big belgian you know it's all here like this is this is one of one of the best places that you can go and get a little bit of everything and fantastic pizza we didn't even talk about the food enough and even if you just like bud light we've got a beer that's it's close pretty darn close close. and you'll be able to drink it (laughs) No matter who your friend is, they will be happy here. And I think that that is the important thing to note about that, what this place is. That is our goal. So. <laughs> Thank you guys very much. If anybody wants to know more, um, I'll have links for social media and websites and all kinds of fun stuff in the show notes. I promise I will put them in there. If I don't, shoot me a message and I'll fix it. <laughs> Um, thank you guys for taking some time out of your day to uh, to make this happen. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. We'll be Appreciate back it. next week. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft.